Bibles, go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15. And Father, I ask you once again this morning. We thank you for what you did this morning in healing school. We ask you for the very same thing on an escalated basis, Lord, of elevation of the Word of God, the revelation of the Lord, and the power of the Holy Spirit in, this, in, their, in our midst here today, Father. We've come to receive from you, Father. We've come to draw on you, on the gift, the true gift, Jesus Christ and his anointing. So we ask you these things for utterance in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We started a series two weeks ago called Unlimited Possibilities in Christ. Unlimited Possibilities, as you can see up here on the screen. 1 Corinthians 15 is our golden scripture here that we're text that we're using. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 21. It says, for, the, for since by man came death, that would be Adam, wouldn't it? By man also came the resurrection from the dead. Who was that? Jesus. And he's on the same clarification. He says, for in Adam all die. Even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Now jump down to verse 45, same chapter. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul and the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. We made mention of the fact that, that the Bible is really about, although there's lots of names, it's really only about two people, Adam and Jesus. Because both of these men impacted, made choices, made decisions that impacted the whole entire human race. Isn't that true? And that just goes to show you that whether it's obedience on our part or disobedience on our part, it affects more than just us. It affects the people around us. We may not realize that. Some people say, well, I'm not hurting anybody else if I commit this sin. Well, really you are. You're hurting yourself, but you're also hurting other people. You don't even realize it. Okay? And Adam, God did not create the whole human race at one time. He could have, but he didn't. He gave Adam... And put, took Eve out of Adam and made them male and female. Created he them, Adam and Eve, right? And so they were responsible. They had the authority to parent the entire human race. And the problem is, is their first, their first children, the first two children, Abel and Cain that they had, were born after they had sinned, right? Not before they sinned, but after they sinned. And the sin nature is always passed on through the male. The bloodline is passed on through the male. And so Adam contaminated his bloodline. And so everybody from that moment forward, including us, if you go way back upstream where it all started, all of us came out of Adam, right? And the whole, the whole entire human race is contaminated by a disease called sin. And the only cure for the sin the only cure for it is, to, is there to have a death. We deserve to die. All of us deserve to die because we've all sinned. That's the whole story of the cross. That Jesus came down. He, became, he was the last Adam or the second Adam. And he passed the test that Adam, the first Adam, failed. The first Adam failed the test with food, didn't he? But Jesus, the last Adam, his very first temptation in the wilderness had to do with food. Now, you know, you get pretty hungry after 40 days of fasting. 
And the devil appeared to him, you know, and he said, if you're really the son of God, if, if you're the son of God, check, you know, checking his identity, if you're really the son of God. The devil always comes to check your identity. Who do you think you are? If you're really the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Now, even to this day, over in that part of the country in Israel, those rocks over there look like loaves of bread. When they would make them in those, those, those ovens over there, it, it looked pretty much like a piece of slab of bread, okay? And you can just imagine his, those mirages, so to speak, you know what I mean? You're thirsty, you know, he starts seeing water, you know what I'm saying? And the devil through that said, you know, if you're really the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Well, what, did Jesus give in to it? No. He said, no, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It's amazing to me how the devil always tries to mess with people's identity. Now, like all of us, when we were growing up, when we were younger, you always try to fit in. You try to identify with different groups. You know, you wear your hair a certain style, certain clothes you wear. I remember back in the day when bell bottoms came out when I was growing up. Most of us, how many wore those things, you know? And I'll never forget my parents did not want to buy me a pair of bell bottoms, but, but you know, there's a thing called hand-me-downs, okay? And I had some, <clears throat> we had some friends of the family that had older boys, you know, and so they gave us a bag of clothes. And uh, we didn't know what was in them, but I'm telling you what, that was like Santa Claus showed up that day, you know? We just, <laughs> we went back, opened that bag up, and there was a pair of bell bottoms in there. I mean, they were this wide, and they were, guess what? They were purple. <laughs> They were purple. I wore those things almost every day. Now you'd have to see the picture of that. It's, back then, it was like it was—it was the right—you know—it was the right thing to do. And then platform shoes, the whole nine yards, and all that, you know. And so, you know, you want to try to fit, and you don't want to look like some nerd down the street, you know. You want to try. Every one of us dress a certain way, act a certain way, because we try to. People identify with. People in Hollywood, a sports person, whatever. Everybody identifies with some particular thing. But really, who we are, who are we supposed to identify with? We're supposed to identify with Christ. Because that's the real deal. Amen. In 1 Corinthians 15, as we just read here, for by one man death came, that's Adam. He says, By also Christ, in Christ shall all be made alive. All right? Now your first Everybody here had a first birth. All of us were born into this earth, right? Now, when Jesus came along, and he told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, because Nicodemus, remember, he came to him by night because he was basically afraid of the peer pressure of the hierarchy of the Jewish people. He says, I I know that you're from God. There's no way that you can do these miracles except God be with you. And it's like he just cut right to the chase, and he said, Nicodemus you got to be born again. Now, he's thinking naturally. Now, I don't know how old Nicodemus was, but let's just say he was in his 30s, okay? He said, well, how can I, being a full-grown man, beard and all, how can I go back into my mother's womb and be born again? He was thinking naturally. Jesus corrected him. He said, I'm not talking, I'm paraphrasing, he said, I'm not talking about a natural birth. I'm talking about a spiritual rebirth. He said, you have to be born again. Why? Because we all came out of the first Adam. We were born once. Okay? But when you get born again, that's you're born all over again. It's a spiritual rebirth. 
And so you're now taken out of Adam and you're placed into Christ. Praise the Lord. So uh, the whole Bible is really about two people. The devil's work in Adam, God's work in Christ. Now we know according to Romans 5, go over there real quick in Romans chapter 5. When we start getting into these scriptures, all of a sudden the light will just shine on your understanding. It's like, oh my goodness, I didn't know it was this good. Man, I'm telling you. Because my, my idea was, you know, I knew I got my sins forgiven. I made mention of this. And that's great and that's good. Thank God for my sins being forgiven. But it had to be more than just getting your sins forgiven. In other words, your slate clean because you'd fill it right back up again. Right? The Bible says we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. So when I was born again, not only were my sins forgiven, but God took up residency on the inside of me just like you. The Bible says three, in three places... 1 Corinthians 3, 1 Corinthians 6, and 2 Corinthians 6 all say our bodies. Paul even said, what? He says, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? You are not your own. You're bought with a price. He says, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which belong to God. We're to glorify God in our body and in our spirit. Amen. Amen. Now, I can't glorify God in my body if it's full of sickness and disease. That doesn't glorify God. That glorifies the enemy. I want to bring glory to God. Because the same life that's inside of Jesus. Now, how many of you know the Holy Spirit doesn't have twins? There's not two Holy Ghosts. Right? There's not two Jesuses. There's not two God the Father. There's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But the same Spirit... In Romans chapter 8, the very same exact spirit that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead lives on the inside of you and me. Same spirit. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me and dwells in you if you're a Christian. Same spirit. Say same spirit. And it goes on to say, and if the spirit of him that raised up Christ from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken or make alive your mortal, death-doomed body. Praise God. Now, of course, yes, all of us are getting older, okay? But that doesn't mean you have to fall apart. That doesn't mean that things stop working, have to stop working in your body, Okay? Now, people will try to talk, doctors will even try to talk you into this. They'll say, you know, when you get this age. Now, I remember uh, you can grow older and get stronger and get wiser. You don't have to get older and then lose strength and lose this and lose that. You know what I'm saying? And you're limping on one leg. You don't have to get that way. Now, I remember way back going back probably 20 years now. So I'm 58. So 20 years back, I ran into a friend of mine. Okay, if you do the math, 20 years ago from today, from this time, ran into a friend of mine that actually was on my hockey team that I played sports with. He lived in my neighborhood, you know, and uh, really good, really good guy. His name was Pat. I had the privilege of leading him to the Lord in high school. And, uh, 
So years after, after graduation, I graduated in 1979, I ran into him uh, at a Panera Bread, actually. And we had a little conversation, you know, and we were catching up. And, and I go, well, how you doing, Brother Pat? How you, how you doing, you know? And he began to say, he goes, oh, man, you know how it is when we get our age. You know, 38 years old, okay? He says, you know how it is when we get our age. He goes, things start going. This stops working. And I, lo- I looked at him, and I'm thinking, all right, you're not even 40 years old yet, and you're saying, when you get my age, things stop working. In his mind, he was probably acting like he was in his 70s. You know what I'm saying? No, I didn't agree with that. You know, but The Lord didn't tell me to correct him, because people have to be open, too. You can't just be God's policeman all the time. And if people are not going to receive it, you just don't open your mouth and say anything. You just pray for them, you know. But I thought, you know, someone sold him a bill of lies that he listened to. Now, I I happen to know his dad, his father, was extremely negative. I knew him personally. And I mean, man, Mr. Bear, Bear of bad news, you get around his dad, oh, my gosh. It was like everything he said was, you know, you know, you could say, boy, it's a beautiful sunny day out. He goes, yeah, but look at the forecast. It's going to rain. It's going to rain tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? Then you, you can't enjoy the moment, right? You can't enjoy it. See, people were, he was programmed negatively, programmed thinking, speaking, thinking negatively, and he passed that on. Now, my friend, his, he was born again. But see, his mind wasn't renewed. He never, as far as I know, he never got into a church. He came out of the Catholic church, of course, you know, and like a lot of people did. But he never, ever positioned himself to get into a church to get his mind renewed with the Word of God. You see, the greatest need for a sinner is Jesus. That's the greatest need for a sinner. The greatest need for a believer is to have their minds renewed with the Word of God. And so what, years later, after I, I mentioned when I ran into him and he spoke to me and talked to me, he said, well, Keith, you know how it is, man. He goes, you get our age. He goes, this stops working. I got this pain. I've got this thing. And I'm thinking, man, I feel just as good as ever. I'm telling you. Glory be to God. And uh, I'm not saying I'm any better than him. I'm not, any, I'm not saying that whatsoever. It's just that I have some knowledge of some things that he's lacking, okay? And that is, the Bible says... That God renews our youth like the eagles in Psalms 103. God renews our youth like the eagles. Now, I've heard some documentaries about, about what eagles will do when they literally renew their strength. And when they get a certain age, you know, and, and, and they, I love bald eagles. I think they're beautiful. You know, I, I love it because it's America's symbol, you know. And in the last couple of years, I have, have, we saw one yesterday, in fact. There's a, there's a lake up sort of where we live, and there's a... There's some eagles that live out there, the white head, the bald eagles, beautiful. I don't know why they call them bald, they have hair, you know. But anyway, they, uh, they, uh, what they'll do is they'll go up on the cleft of a rock if they live out west, somewhere like that, and they'll go up there, and they literally said that they'll, they'll, they'll pluck their feathers out, and they'll, they'll beat their beak on a rock till it falls off, their beak, after they get a certain age. And what happens is, is they'll grow new feathers and grow a new beak back, and even their, their talons, 
their claws, will grow back. What is that? Their, their youth is being renewed like the eagles. Okay? So, you know, when you get a certain age, you find a big rock somewhere and just beat your head off of it. And I'm just, I'm, I'm not saying that. But uh, what I'm saying is the way that you renew your strength is by what you say. Okay? Amen? He satisfies our mouth with good things so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. Now, of course, part of that will be eating the right stuff, but I think more importantly, words. Words. I'm not getting weaker. I'm getting stronger. Okay? Now, you can age but still think young. Amen? I still, I still purposely think young. And in some respects, I'm actually stronger than I, was, than I was 30 years ago in some respects. Okay? But I believe that there's an anointing. There is an anointing for us to, as we age, that our youthfulness doesn't leave us. And you can literally change things. I mentioned this this morning in, in, our, in our healing school, those of you that were here. Um, the other day, I, was, I had this shooting pain that went down my left leg, right through my foot, all the way down, through my, went out the end of my foot, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and I was praying in my office, and I propped my leg up on the desk. I was down there by myself, and, uh, and I just had this, Desire, I believe the Lord put in there the commanding power of Jesus Christ. You know, I'm, I'm tired of praying about healing. I don't have to pray about healing. I'm already healed in Jesus' name. I don't have to pray. God, you want to heal? I, he's already paid the price for me. He's waiting for us to command. You're going to find in the, in the book of Acts, you never find them really praying for the sick. You, come, you see them commanding. The commanding power of Jesus Christ, such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. He didn't pray for him. Amen. And I, I, I pointed, I pointed at my foot there on that desk, sitting there, and I said, Pain, get out. You don't belong in my leg in Jesus' name. Now get out in Jesus' name. Something like that. But I, I, I wasn't wimpy about it. I wasn't like, please, would you please leave me? Please. The devil will laugh at when you do it like that. But when you know your authority, because it's no longer I that live. Go to Galatians 2 for a minute, Galatians 2.20, and I'll show you something here. It's no longer I that live. It's Jesus in my body. So everything I need is already in me. Everything you need is already inside of you. Everything. Because that's where God lives. See, we're not talking self-sufficiency. Our sufficiency is of the Lord, the Bible says, that's made us able ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. How many of you here have ever yelled before? Anybody here ever yelled? Raise your hand. Do you ever get mad? Okay. It's okay. It's okay to get mad for the right purpose. It is. And so uh, that shooting pain, I'm telling you, on my left leg, it was my left, not my right leg, but my left leg, oh, man, that thing would hurt if I moved it a certain way. 
I had no idea what it was. It was a pain, and I know that Jesus bore not only my sickness, but he bore my pain in Isaiah 53. He took my pain, and he carried my sickness. So this boy is not going to, I'm not going to put up with it. I'm not going to tolerate pain in my body. I got too many things to do, too many people to reach, and too many people to reach out to. I'm not going to walk around hobbling around in pain over this thing when Jesus already bore that thing for me. And so I said, you get out in Jesus' name, you know, and, it, I, and I didn't even stop to check it. It left. As far as I'm concerned, it's gone. Amen? Now, in Galatians chapter 2, in verse 20, and I want to leave you with this thought today. I'm going to talk about the power of identification because who do you identify with? Like I said, in the natural, people identify with all kinds of movie stars and actors and you know, pop artists, sports people, and they dress like them, wear things like them, put their hair like them, and so forth. But we are to identify with Christ because that's who we are. But in Galatians 2, Paul said this in verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Notice this. Who loved me and gave himself for me. There's something to say about that. Who loved me. Jesus loved me and he gave himself for me. Now I'm going to read a different translation. Now you won't see this on the screen here because we don't have this translation. It's actually called the distilled Bible. I don't know if they cooked it and called it that. I don't know. Brought up to a certain temperature. This distilled Bible in Galatians 2.20 says, I consider myself having died and now enjoying a second existence, which is simply Jesus using my body. Isn't that awesome? Let me read that again. I consider myself having died, now enjoying the second existence, which is simply Jesus using my body. Wow. That's pretty awesome. It's no longer me that's just walking around here. Now, I know that when you look up, you see me. You see Keith, Pastor Keith, right? But it's got to be just more. When I look out and see you, it's got to be more than just you plopped there in the seat. There's a Jesus that lives on the inside of every one of you. (laughs) It's no longer you that live. It's not just you walking around, but it's Jesus living in you. His spirit lives on the inside of you. That's who, that's how we're supposed to see ourselves. I am no longer in Adam. I was, you were, I'm in Christ now. Praise the Lord. Now, you know, uh, it's amazing how identification, because uh, you can't get very far in the natural realm. For everything, you know, when you go uh, take a flight and you catch an air, air flight somewhere and you're going somewhere, they want, some, they want some identification. How many of you know that? You walk up to the, now especially after 9-11, you know, with, with the uh, uh, security and so forth going through there, you know, you've got to show proper identification. You know, it would be crazy if you walked up to them and say, he says, let me see your identification. You say, can't you see I'm already here? Right? He says, no, I want some proper identification because if you don't show that to them, you're not getting on that aircraft. Isn't that true? 
I mean, even, even you know, little league baseball teams now, they want your birth certificate. Okay? You could stand there and argue with them all you want and say, can't you see I was born? I'm here, right? No, we need to see some proof. We need to see some identification. We got to see some papers. We got to see some identification of proof, right? Well, if that's true in the natural realm, if we need proper identification to get certain places, how much more do we need it in the realm of the Spirit? We got to know who we are. It's not just me walking around, it's Jesus on the inside of me. And that's why it's easy to get, I find it, it's easy to get people healed when you realize there's a God that lives inside of me. He's the healer. I'm not. I'm just the vessel. I'm just a body, but he's inside my body. And so it's easier when I realize that, and I pray for you, and I want God to bless you, it's easier for that anointing to be transferred onto you because I realize it's not coming from me anyway. It's Christ in me. Amen? Now, I, I appreciate and I respect the fact that people will ask me for prayer, and I love praying for people. But, but my, my real concern is there's, there's a, through the years, I've had different people want me to pray for them, and I have no problem. I love to pray for people. But here's where I, have, I take issue with the fact that after a person's been saved for a long, a long period of time, they still don't have the revelation and the understanding of who they are in Christ, and they have more faith in my prayers than they do in their own prayers. Something's wrong with that picture. Are you with me? Because uh, as far as I know from the Bible, there's only one kind of righteousness. And if you're born again, you are just as righteous as me or any other person, or man or woman of God. You have, I, you have 100% Jesus righteousness like I do. You have a 100% authority over demons and devils and evil spirits like a minister would. But when people realize that, I believe it's happening when their eyes are open like, you mean I, I can pray and I can see results and I can see the devil depart from people? Absolutely. Hallelujah. Amen. Let me tell you, the devil is terrified of you. He is absolutely Fear struck. If there's anybody that's afraid, it's the enemy. He knows his day is approaching. Jesus said, the devil said to Jesus, have you come to torment us before the time? That was 2,000 years ago. That gap is closed all the more. But I'm going to tell you, every time you know who you are in Christ and you use your authority and use the word of God, you are tormenting the devil. Thank God. I want to torment some devils. Every time you yield to the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, that torments the enemy. He's like, ah, oh, I tried to get him in the flesh and he got, he got happy. Because <laughs> the devil's used to pressing our buttons, right? Something happens, he knows how you've acted since birth, right? Something happens, and you, ah, you flip out, right? But all of a sudden, when you yield to the Holy Ghost and the same button is pressed and you're like, glory to God. The devil's like, what did I just hear? He praised God. He got happy. He got excited. When before, he pretty much cursed. Well, see, that torments the devil. When you yield to love and joy and peace, goodness, the fruit of the Spirit, you're letting the Holy Ghost that's on the inside of you come out of you. Amen. Listen, we don't have to wait. You and I do not have to wait 
till everything is lined up and perfect for us to be excited and thankful and happy. We don't have to have all the ducks lined up as they say. We don't have to have everything perfect in our families in order to be happy. Because if that's the case, then we're letting those things determine our joy level. Do not let outward circumstances determine your level of joy. You're praying for, we're all praying for stuff, right? We're praying for things to come about and so forth. But you know what? Do not let that be your gauge whether you're happy, joyful, or sad. Like Paul said, I've learned to live with and I've learned to live without. I've learned to live independent of circumstances. I can do all things through Christ, through Christ, which strengthens me. Oh, I love this scripture. Simply Jesus. This distilled translation says it's Jesus using our bodies. Mm. We are to identify. Here's a couple of things I want you to think about this morning. We are to identify with Jesus Christ. I think it's five things actually. In his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, and his seating. That's five things. And I'll just refer to this because of time here this morning. Paul said in Galatians 2, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. You died, the Bible says, we died with Christ. In Ephesians 2, it says, we were raised with Christ. Preposition, with Christ together with. And when Jesus ascended, it said we ascended with him far above principalities and powers and might and dominion. And now he's seated at the right hand of God the Father. And the, the Bible says, seek those things in Colossians 3, 1, seek those things that are above where Christ setteth at the right hand of God the Father, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. We've been, we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Right now, well, sure could have fooled me. I, I, we're right here in Robinson, Pennsylvania. I'm, my body's right here. That's right. Your body's here. But spiritually speaking, you are already in heaven. Did you know your spirit is already in heaven? Now, don't try to mentally figure that out. I've been raised up with Christ right now. I'm raised up. Not going to be. I am raised up right now. I died with Christ. I was buried with Christ, the scripture says. I was resurrected with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but it's Jesus Christ using my physical body. When you know that, you can't help but be a blessing everywhere you go. I mean, I, you don't even have to pray about it because it's just you're conscious. It's a conscious, a consciousness is a better word, of a, being God inside minded wherever, wherever you go. The greater one. Is on the inside of you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And he is terrified of you when you know who you are in Christ Jesus. I know the one time in my life that, that a, actually a demon manifested and spoke behind my head. I won't go into detail about that, but I shared that story before. I was visiting my brother-in-law and a demon spoke out loud. It was in a woman's voice, actually, of, of all things. And I was in the, 
we had gone. <laughs> let me explain. Okay, <laughs> needs a little explanation there. We had we had gone. This is in 1989. We had gone down to um, Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is before we had before we had children. A year before Josh was born, actually, and we uh, went to Winter Bible Seminar. Brother Kenneth E. Hagen at that time was alive and preaching the gospel. We had gone down there, but we left a little bit early to go down because Lynn's brother lived in Oklahoma City, which is two hours south of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Exactly two hours on, on the interstate, on the turnpike, actually. So we went down there a, a couple of days in advance just to visit with them and see them. We hadn't seen them in a while. Remember that? And we drove all the way down there. And um, so we were obviously a little bit exhausted from the trip, you know, the drive. And we, uh, we went in there and so... This is back in the days of waterbeds. I don't know if they still make those or not. Do they still make those? Remember when waterbeds were real popular? He had a waterbed, and and he said we could use their bed. And I thought, look out, baby. (laughs) We're going to try the waterbed. Never slept on a waterbed before. But Lynn just wanted to fellowship with her her brother and his wife, you know. So she stayed out in the kitchen, was talking to him. I said, do you mind if I just go in there and lay down for a little bit? So I went in there, jumped on that waterbed. Yeah, I'll bet you were. And um, and I'm I'm just laying there, and it's kind of kind of moving waves, you know, waves, you know. And I'm like, this is pretty cool, you know, waterbed. I get this to rest, you know. And and I and I, as I as I was just laying there, I laid down there. I would say within a couple of minutes or so, I heard this voice from. Now they had this headboard on the on the the bed. It was a big like an oak, like thick, you know, shelving and stuff like that. And as soon as I laid down, I was like just relaxing there. I heard this voice, a female voice, speak from behind me. And when that when it happened, it so ter- it so shocked me. I didn't expect that to happen. That every hair on my head and my back stood, on my body just stood up. I'm like, someone asked me one time, well, "What did the voice say?" I don't even know. I was so it was so shocking to me. I had no idea what it said. I mean, this wasn't like Casper the Friendly Ghost. You know what I'm saying? And, um, but it was the most eeriest feeling. I've, it was creepy. Fear just, you know, I wasn't expecting that. You know what I'm saying? So this voice kept talking, all right, right behind my head. And now there was no radio. There was no speakers. There was nothing like that. And, but it within me, Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Within me came another voice. That's the Holy Spirit. And of course, I was born again in the ministry, spirit-filled at that time. But you know, your flesh responds like if you've never heard. I wasn't expecting that, you know. But it's kind of interesting because as I was laying there, when this was all, this is within a seconds here, okay. This is going on. I had this, like a knowing that whatever that spirit was, whatever this thing was, came from upstairs because there was a, there's a two two stories on this apartment complex. I just had a, a, an intuition that whatever that was came from up there. Because, you know, spirits don't have to knock on the door. They can walk through walls, right? Okay. I'm trying to be creepy. Okay, so getting back to my original story here. Spirit of God spoke up to me on the inside of me and said this, you better do something about that. Now, I didn't hear it with these ears, but it was the authoritative voice of the Holy Spirit on the inside of me said, you better do something about that. So what did I do? Nothing. I was terrified. I was, fr- I was literally frozen in fear. That's what, it, it was fright. You know what I'm saying? And I was just, 
kind of analyzing this whole thing. I mean, the second time the voice spoke said, you better do something about this. What did I do? Nothing. The third time the Holy Spirit spoke to me. You know, Peter had a vision, right? And that vision appeared three times, so I guess I'm in good, good hands there, you know. <laughs> that, that big sheet was let down from heaven, remember that? Three times that happened. And then the third time says, on a more an authoritative voice, the Holy Ghost in me. You know, you've got the inward witness, but then there's the inward voice. And the inward voice said, you better do something about that. And so I propped myself up like on my, my elbow on the side of the bed like this. And I said, in the, and as soon as I said, in the, didn't even get the name out, that thing quit instantly. That voice stopped, vanished, gone. I didn't even get the name out. But I said, in, I gripped my teeth. I said, in the, boom, it was gone. And I thought about, and then what happened is the peace of God just came into that room. So a few minutes later, after this incident, I walked out into the kitchen. They're still out there talking and fellowshipping. And I said, uh, I said, John, do you know anything about people that live upstairs? You know, I was just kind of fishing around, you know. They're believers, but I don't know how deep they are. You know what I'm saying? They're Baptist at that time. You know what I'm saying? So they weren't, they weren't filled with the Holy Ghost or anything. But, but I, said, uh, I said, do you know anything about those folks that live upstairs? He goes, oh, Keith, they're into some weird stuff, occultic type stuff up there. That's what he told me. Now, I didn't have to go up there and find out because whatever was going on up there decided to affect me that day. Now, I, I say all that to say this, that uh, I'm going to bring that temperature up a little bit. When, when I, when I uh, what so amazed me was how fast the enemy left that situation. I mean, as soon as I even attempted to say, take authority in the name, I didn't even get the name of Jesus. I didn't stand there and say, in the name, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I plead the blood over you. It wasn't like, you know, that's more out of fear than anything. I said in the name of Jesus. So it didn't work the first time. Let's do it again, you know. No, the, he, he works on command when you know. And so I, the Lord spoke, the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, you need to do something about this. Now. The third time he was very authoritative about it. God is my witness. This happened. And that thing, it left instantly. And the presence of God came in that room. Glory to God. Now I can really lay down and rest. You know what I'm saying? But I I mean, initially I was, you you kind of freaked out by that whole whole thing. I wasn't expecting that to happen, you know. So you ask yourself sometimes, what would would I do in a situation like similar to that? You know, someone's demon-possessed or something. Listen, the Holy Ghost in you is more, you're, he is no match for you. Now, if the greater one is in you, who's the lesser one? The devil. Say, hey, lesser one. You can call him that. Hey, lesser one. Get off of me right now. You take that sickness, that pain, that lack, that whatever that thing is, you get off of me, lesser one, because the greater one lives on the inside of me. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Well, Pastor Keith, I don't want to intimidate anybody. I don't want to intimidate the devil. I'm not in any position to intimidate anybody. Get over it. (laughs) There's a lion on the inside of you. 
Now, from the natural, you might be timid, backward, shy. But let me tell you something. The Bible says that the line of the tribe of Judah lives in, he's called, Jesus is called the line of the tribe of Judah. I was watching something recently about, I, I really like wildlife type stuff. You know, it's, it's neutral stuff you can watch on television that's, that's not going to hurt your faith. You know what I'm saying? And I, I, love, I love anything that has to do with wildlife and stuff, documentaries about them. and You know what I mean? And, uh, and you know, a lion has one of his biggest weapons, and that is his roar. They say you can, they, you can up to five miles, you can hear a lion's roar, particularly other animals. They can hear a lion's roar up to five miles. And when that lion roars... Things go to scampering and scattering and climbing and whatever. You know what I'm saying? Because the Lion King's out there. You know what I'm saying? And, that, and the Bible says that Satan walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour in First Peter. Now, don't, don't let that scripture paint the wrong picture. Seeking whom he may devour. If you just read that scripture alone by itself, it makes it seem like 1 Peter 5 that he's just ready to just pound like a lion just jumps out and just pounces. You know what I'm saying? And you don't have time to pull your rifle out or your spray, whatever, you know what I'm saying? And all of a sudden you're devoured, you know what I'm saying? But it gives the wrong impression because we are to resist him in the faith, the Bible says. Can we go there a second here and we'll close here this morning? Go over, to, go over to 1 Peter. This wasn't in my notes here, but we'll wrap, we'll wrap it up here today. In 1 Peter chapter 5. Yeah. Verse 6. All right. One of, the, one of the most dangerous things that anyone could do is taking scriptures out of its setting, out of its context, to make it say something that's really meant to be said in a, in a sentence and not just one little paragraph. We call it, the scripture says, study, 2 Timothy 2.15 says, study to show yourself approved, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Notice that phrase, rightly dividing the word of truth. If you can rightly divide the word of truth, you can wrongly divide the word of truth. You can take a scripture out of its setting, like that scripture this morning, all things work together for good. That's not talking about car wrecks and accidents. You know, I know this happened, but all things are worked. It's talking about praying in the spirit. As you pray in the spirit, we saw this this morning, as you pray in tongues, God's working together all things for good because you're praying his will. But yet, I I don't know how many of you have heard it, but I've heard, oh, it's disgusting. You hear people say, talk about tragedies and deaths and sickness, and they said, "Uh, we know that all things are working together for good, like God is using those things to work together. That is not scripturally correct. Okay? Even sinners could figure that one out. So, this goes back to this scripture right here in First Peter. We'll, 
Look at verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Hallelujah. Does God want to exalt you? Yes, he does. Humble yourselves. So that's our responsibility. Humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt us in due time. Now, excuse me, as I read that, verse 6, the first question that pops in my mind, how do I humble myself? If it says if I humble myself under God's mighty hand, he will exalt me at the proper time. James says the same thing in James, James chapter 5. It says, James says he will lift you up. He'll exalt you. Now, how do you, how do you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God? The very next verse goes on to say, that's verse 5. I mean, that's verse 6, right? Humble yourselves. Verse 7 says this. How do you humble yourself? Casting. Casting. Say casting. Casting, casting all of your care upon him because he careth for you. The Amplified says, casting the whole of your anxieties, all of your worries, all of your concerns over upon him. So the way that you, according to this verse, the way that you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God is you cast your care upon the Lord. Cares, worries, anxieties, they come against all of us, right? It could be your family, it could be your your physical body. It could be financial. It could be in any respect, you know. But when those cares come against us, we can either embrace them upon ourselves and try to work them out ourselves. But God says, no, cast them upon me because I care for you. Casting all of your care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. Now, God wouldn't be just if he said, give me your cares but then nothing's going to change. He doesn't say, give me your cares for no reason, just to take up space in the Bible, right? Just to make more chapters. He says, casting your cares upon me. Why? Because I love you and I care for you. Now, the next verse is where we get this phrase here. Be sober, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith. Resist him. Now, how can the devil just, you know, can he just walk about? Can he just uh, do what he wants? Let me back up here. Verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary is the devil, has a roaring life, walking about seeking whom he may devour. Can the devil just devour anybody he wants? No, he can't. If that were the case, he would have done it with all of us and none of us would have even a prayer. <laughs> now, if you take us the law of, you interpret this scripture in light of the rest of the scriptures, the verses before it, verses after it, you read it. The only way that Satan can devour a Christian, now this is writing, Peter is to writing to believers, right? The only way that he can devour Christians is when we don't cast our cares upon the Lord. In other words, being a worry ward, fearful, anxious, worrying, 
because it never changed anything yet. Worrying about your children never changed one single thing. Worrying about your finances never changed one single thing. Worried about your future never did one single thing except make matters worse. Now, half of what the devil, more than half of what the devil will tell you and I is nothing more than a lie that'll never come to pass anyway. But if he can get you tormented and walking in fear and upset for a couple of weeks, he's already accomplished his mission. He doesn't. He just wants to, he's called the tormentor for a reason. And the way that we become tormented is by allowing thoughts of fear, anxiety. This is all of us. And we have to resist him steadfast with the word of God. That's how you resist him in the faith is with the word of God. The word produces faith. Faith comes by hearing him, hearing by the word of God. So the devil can't devour me. He can't devour you unless we, we hold on to the cares. Now, I didn't, didn't say it's easy, but it's doable. <laughs> we all know. We all know what it's like to worry, don't we, about things, especially even this time of the year. There's a lot of stuff going on. The enemy loves to oppress people this time of the year. But let's just pass it up. Let's just pass it up. So what if things aren't lined up in the nest? So what if the ducks aren't lined up? Who cares about the ducks anyway, right? But who cares if everything is not perfect? You can enjoy the moment. You can enjoy. Just because, look, if I look into my life, not everything is perfect. There's still things I'm trusting God for and believing God for. But I am going to allow his peace and his joy in me right now on purpose. Because my cares are not my cares anyway. They belong to God. Now this is going to sound funny when I say this to you, but sometimes the Lord will say things to you that at first it's kind of like, it's like a puzzling. You're like, you ever see a dog do that? And the dog goes, sometimes, I'm not sure what that's about. I'm like, I didn't hear that correctly. You know what I'm saying? But, but sometimes we do that to God. God speaks to us and we go, would you say? <laughs> I don't think cats do that. They're too smart. They already know what they're thinking, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. When I heard the Holy Ghost, I know the Holy Spirit's voice. I believe I do. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me one time. He said, Keith, I'm a selfish God. I said, what? And that didn't make sense to me. Because I associated selfishness with like worldliness and, you know, flesh, carnality, you know. He said, let me explain. I'm a selfish God. He said, I want all of your cares, not some of them. And then I got it. He said, I want all. Casting some of your cares? All. All. The greatest act well, God's with us here this morning. He is here in this place. Emmanuel, God with us. The greatest act of humility that there is, that I see in the word of God, is the men and the women that give their cares to the Lord on a regular basis. Say, Lord, you know what's going on in that family situation. There might be strife going on or something like that within the family or 
whatever. Could just put a tag on it. It could be anything. The Lord, right now, I, in my own power, I don't have the power in my own self to overcome this thing. So right now, Lord, I'm going to give this care to you by faith. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you right now in Jesus' name. And I let it go. I let it go. And you walk away from that. Now the enemy will try to put thoughts back in your mind. Like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? That thing looks bad. Sometimes when you pray, it looks like it got worse. You ever have that happen? Sometimes you pray and it looks from the natural like it got worse. But actually don't be moved by that. Jesus cast the devil out of a guy, a little boy that was demon possessed. And the Bible says the devil tore him and he was coming out. They thought he died. They thought he got worse, but actually the devil left him. So do not underestimate the power of casting all of your cares upon the Lord. No, you can't change that loved one, but God can. You can't change that circumstance, but God can. And I think he's just looking for us. You know, there's... Plenty of mountains to practice on. I mean, there's, he's left enough things up here in mountains in life to practice on, right? To use our authority on. We all know that. But I think one of the greatest ways you can move a mountain that we can, and I'm saying this spread out of my spirit, right? one of the greatest ways we talk about being mountain movers, one of the greatest ways you can remove a mountain from your life is to give the care to the Lord because Satan, he's wanting to pounce on you, but he can't do it because he has nothing to work with. Did you know that did you ever notice that cares and worries are what? Fear-based. So without fear, he has nothing to work with. He has nothing to work with. I've fished a few times in my life. And I've never caught a fish once without bait. Some type of bait. I never caught a fish just throwing an empty hook in ever but you have to put a piece of live bait or whatever or lure on that thing in order to for something to be attracted to it and when the devil comes looking for fishing for something in you and me and there's no fear there he has nothing to grab onto I submit this to you he's a line that's been defanged all he is is just a bunch of gums What, what, how much damage could a lion or a bear do, think about it, without its claws and without its teeth? Is it going to gum you to death? We call that a gummy bear, right? <laughs> if you got anything, get that one this morning, right? <laughs> you never know what you're going to say. <laughs> Hallelujah. But he, he, he literally has nothing to devour with if you're like, uh, no, I choose not to fear today. I, now, there may be a, a lot of opportunities to fear, but say, I, I just pass those things up today because my cares are cast upon the Lord. Hallelujah. The care of that thing, Lord, it's in your hands. And you'll be going along and bam, it'll hit your head again. What are you going to do? Look at, what's, look at this thing, you know. You say, no, no, that care is not in my hands anymore. It's in the hands of the Lord. Yeah. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Man, did we have church here today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Ha, ha, ha. Hallelujah. 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 
This is the time. This is the season. And yes, this is the hour for my sons and my daughters to be exalted to a high place in me, saith the Lord. For even as the revelation has come to you today regarding your cares, regarding your concerns, and the reality that they don't belong to you, they belong to me, saith the Lord. Give all, give every care aggressively to me. Cast them all upon me. When you go about your business and the thought comes to you, you speak out loud and you say, no, you don't, Mr. Devil. I don't have that care. My father who loves me has that care. And go on and march on with my peace. For it's those, those that cast their cares upon me that will experience what I've said in my word, the peace of God which passes understanding. It's those that give their cares to me that are really true, humble servants of God. For they realize their inability at the same time they realize my divine ability. So be free and be blessed today and aggressively give all of your cares to me and trust me for I will work out those things in your family. Trust me, I will work out those things in your physical body. Don't try to figure out with your mind. And lean not to your own understanding how this is going to work out, how this is going to turn out. Leave that in my hands, saith the Lord. For I am the God that split the Red Sea. I am the God that raised the dead. And yes, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, And Jacob, I am the God that lives on the inside of you. So rise up today, O man of God. Rise up today, O woman of God. And allow your position in me to dominate your thinking, to dominate your mouth, to dominate your actions. And yes, all will be well, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We receive, we receive that. We receive that right now. We receive that right now, Father. Praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you. And know this, there is a reservoir of miracles and there is a reservoir of the miraculous for those that give their cares to me. For you see, all heaven waits and is eager to dispense divine grace and divine help and yes, divine provision on those that cast their cares upon me, saith the Lord. Ha, ha, ha. Thank you, Lord. 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 Wow, you know, you know, uh, the only way I can kind of describe is, in conclusion here is that I would say today, and you notice it didn't matter how many people were here or who wasn't here. It, it, God's here. God's here. The most important thing is God's here. 
that I, I really, um, I'm, I am so conscious of his presence, I, I would say more than ever before in a church service today than ever before. Conscious that he's here, that he's talking to us, he's speaking to us. And he's revealing himself to us. And we'll never be the same. All of us that are here today, you'll be so happy you came here today. <laughs> you're so ha- you'll be so glad you came here today because from this, you're gonna, God's building, he's going to keep building on the revelation of what happened here today. Hallelujah. We'll have to definitely get this tape next week and listen to that word again, yes. even myself. Because you, you know you have to realize that when you prophesy, you have, I have no idea what I'm going to say. I, I really don't. I, it's not premeditated. It's not preplanned. It's so spontaneous. Sometimes I have to go back and say, what, what did the Lord just say there? Because you instantaneously yield yourself to the Holy Ghost and you release what he just said. And you didn't think that up. But it's for our edification. When we speak unto men to prophesy, the Bible says when you prophesy, you speak unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. And that's exactly, I believe, what happened here today. Amen. So we, do you have anything? I just want to, I just, the Lord gave me a scripture for Amen. Amen. You can grab that microphone right there. Thank and praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on up, come on up here, sweet. Well, praise God. It's just one scripture. Yeah. Um, praise God. Hallelujah. And it's in Psalm 34, in verse four. Yes. It says, "I sought the Lord, and He heard me, and He delivered me from all my fears." Praise God. <laughs> They looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. The poor man cried, the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps, encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man Praise. that trusteth in Praise him. God, yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's Psalm 34. I just felt like that was what God was. As we seek the Lord, hallelujah, he will deliver us from any fear that tries to come against hallelujah. us. Yes. Amen. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. Yes. Hallelujah. Well, we'll just commit our week to the Lord. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Father, we come before you today in the name of Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for your mercy today. Father, I thank you for a fresh batch of your mercy upon your children today, Father. We are all your children, and we thank you that we are your children. Father, I thank you that we will seek you, and you will deliver us out of from every fear in Jesus' name. So, Father, we plead the blood of Jesus over this week. We plead the blood of Jesus over every person that we encounter this week. We plead the blood of Jesus over our homes and our families and our vehicles. And we thank you, Father God, for your divine protection this week. We are thanking you that you are faithful, Lord. You are faithful to keep us safe. 
and keep our families and our loved ones safe in your presence, Father God. You are faithful. So we cast the care of everything that concerns us upon you this moment, and we trust you, Father God, for you're, you're just what you're doing in our lives. We thank you for supernatural wisdom and for your divine protection this week. In the name of Jesus, yes, Lord. amen. Wasn't that a wonderful scripture? Thank you for sharing that.